Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, we get on the air because of the engineering skills of one Pete Paquette. He is the man. And Andrew Herdliska does the producing of the show. Uh, Denise Pass is our first guest. Biblical mindset coach, author, speaker, worship leader, songwriter, podcaster. She does it all. Uh, and she's currently pursuing a Ph.D. in biblical exposition at Liberty University. Her book is out, Make Up Your Mind. Unlock your thoughts, transform your life. Oh, Denise, that's a mouthful, but I'm so happy to welcome you to Orlando. Well, thank you so much. People say I'm a multi-passionate person, and I just love to share the gospel on whatever means I can. Denise, what is your background? Where did you grow up, and how did you uh, become what you are today? Well, that is a loaded question as well. Uh, So I was born at the Naval Academy Hospital, and I moved all over the country with my dad being in the Navy. So, you know, Maryland, New York, California, New Mexico, and then uh, parents, my parents divorced. And so I was in Texas and Maryland and Delaware, Pennsylvania. Anyways, I grew up everywhere. Um, But I came to know Christ when I was 19 years old, and I was going to University of Maryland on a full scholarship in music at the time. And my life just totally radical salvation. And since that time, I've been on a wild journey. You know how it is when you walk with God. You don't know what life is going to deal you, but you know the giver of life is in complete control of it. And and so for me, um, I waited for marriage. I married um, a man who was a Christian, uh, but 14 years into that marriage, he uh, was found to be a sexual predator. And suddenly I'm a... A mom, a single mom of five kids. I had adopted one of them, and what I thought was supposed to be the pristine, perfect Christian life, I realized I had my hope in the wrong place. And God has just been taking me on a journey ever since then of discovery in His Word that He is enough for everything we go through in this life. Tell me about your new book. Yes, so Make Up Your Mind. Uh, So a few years ago, God put it on my heart. I had written the book, Shame Off You, before this. And so he just really has placed on my heart that a lot of believers today, you know, we have the mind of Christ, Paul says in his word, but people aren't necessarily operating in that. We don't really know what that means, I think, sometimes. We can have Christianese, or we know our identities in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. But a lot of times, that's not our experience and so it was placed on my heart, especially as I travel and speak and with worship leading or just encouraging women at women's conferences, that a lot of people were stuck in depression, anxiety. And, and I started to really think about the different mindsets we struggle with. And I had been reading in Scripture, Proverbs 4.23, and this is a G&T translation. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And so I began, I decided to go back to school, um, I pursued a master's degree in biblical exposition, and 
in that, I was really struck by mindsets and how they happen in Scripture and what the Bible has to say about it. And so it was my heart to help people to realize what Christ has given them with the mind of Christ, that we have an abundant life available to us. We don't have to be stuck in our mindsets. And so I tackled 10 different negative mindsets people typically encounter in this life that there's stigmas about sometimes, but we all are going to face them. And how are we going to face them? Are we going to face them with the Word of God? And so each chapter goes into different biblical characters and how they dealt with uh, that specific mindset, triggers that led to it, tips that lead out. But my favorite part of each chapter is diving into the mind of Christ. How did Christ interact with each of these mindsets? And so it's, I think it's a, really a resource for people. If they're struggling with one of these mindsets, and I have a quiz as well people can take, um, and to find out what their chief negative mindset is and to help them find that victory Christ has for us. Denise, Chapter 1 is called, Why Are You Here? Fill us in. Yes. <laughs> this is my favorite chapter to write and my hardest to write because it was really uh, the story in Kings when we read about Elijah. And he's this mighty man of God, and he boldly calls down fire from heaven to consume 450 prophets of Baal, false prophets. And right after that, we, we knew that Jezebel had already been threatening the prophets of God, but it got personal when she threatened Elijah. And so he ran to the wilderness and escaped. And it's just this beautiful examination of God asking him twice, here, Elijah. And we get to see this this interaction, and, and Elijah does what we would do. It's like, well, hey, there's death threats, and I kind of have a lot going on right now, and so that's why I'm hiding. But it wasn't necessarily his location physically. It was his location mentally. How did you get to this place of abject fear when you were just bold and trusting in me? And so uh, that first chapter sets up this dynamic of, hey, we're just like Elijah. Here's this man of God, and we, too, can be given over to mindsets if we don't abide in God's Word, and if we trust in our own thoughts instead of God's thoughts. Let's move to topic two, the angry mindset, battling bitterness (laughs) and unforgiveness. Yes. And so this is one of those ones I've had people ask me about because, hey, we all can have moments of anger. So are we saying we can't ever be angry? Well, we know that we can have a righteous anger, but I I fear that we can use that scripture as an excuse sometimes and say, well, you know, I'm justified in my anger. But I I like James 1.20, the CEV translation says, if you are angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. That humbled me. And, you know, I think a lot of times uh, we get angry because it's all about us. You know, we're angry that our, I start off with this story of when I was a child and my dad was angry with me. And I remember bringing him a silk belt for my discipline because I didn't want the regular belt. And that, that got me a bigger discipline than I would have probably had. But then as a parent, we take personally our children's sins and we can become angry. And how to deal with anger? You know, that anger isn't a right response. Um, It doesn't mean that we can't be disappointed. Surely in my life, I've had moments of anger, but learning how to deal with it biblically. And I examined Moses, who was the humblest guy, 
scripture says, in the world. And yet his anger in a moment, and that's how anger is sometimes, with God's people, was judged by God as wrong. And I, I think sometimes we can be angriest with those who are closest to us in our sphere of influence. And really, instead of being angry with them, we should try to lead them redemptively and not just blast them. And so we look at some of the triggers like um, being um, our expectations that lead to anger or being offended. That's such a huge thing. Um, I see that so much even in the church today. We are offended at someone, and so we shun them or we cut them off in some way. And that's just not what we see Christ doing. He carried our offenses. And so if he carried our offenses, who are we to carry an offense? My guest is Denise Pass. Uh, We're talking about her new book, Make Up Your Mind. Denise, Chapter 3 is the anxious mindset, battling fear Mm -hmm. and worry, restoring peace. Tell us more. Yes. Well, you know, one thing I want to say, too, uh, in looking at all of these mindsets, one of the key things is, in every single one, one common thing, is that we put our thoughts above God's thoughts. Think about that for a minute. We can have a thought like, I can't help it, or maybe a doctor tells us, you're anxious. I've been in that spot where you're going through extreme circumstances. And let's face it, we're all going to face face anxiety at some point in our lives. But what are we believing in that moment? See, we can believe our anxious thoughts, we can believe our mindsets, or we can believe what God has to say. You know, uh, I think that's part of the problem is we rely on ourselves instead of saying, hey, this is what God's Word has to say about me. You know, we can look at uh, the psalmist and how he experienced anxiety, how Jesus experienced anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane. But they show us how to deal with anxiety. You know, we don't. We like to label ourselves today and say, well, I just have this condition. And I've learned in my walk with God, you know, the various things I've gone through, that I'm not going to label or limit myself by what I'm facing. I'm going to bring what I'm facing before God. And, you know, the psalmist says in Psalm 94, 19, in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Is that our experience? And so I walk people through the different types of anxiety that we can have, and trauma has been a huge source of anxiety for me and how I dealt with it. And we look at Jehoshaphat and how he dealt with it. And uh, it's just beautiful when we can look at the different triggers and not feel like we're confined by them either. Uh, So the triggers I look at are predominantly based in fear. There's a a fear of lack, and there's a fear of man, and a fear of death. So the common thing there is fear, and that's what's behind anxiety. And so if we're willing to look at it uh, through Jesus, through Scripture, we don't have to be confined anymore by anxiety or any mindset. Denise, tell us about uh, the depressive mindset. That's next. Battling discouragement and disillusionment. Yes. So I think um, one of the things that can be a big stigma today is people tend to think that if you're depressed, if you say that you have depression, you are not really a solid Christian. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. 
you know, we can see Paul went through depression. We can see that David did. We can see that depression is a common part of the human experience, but it doesn't have to be what takes us down. It doesn't have to have the final say. And so a lot of times when people are trying to overcome depression, we can rely on medication. We can rely on um, counselors. And I'm not saying that both of those cannot be a part of the solution. But I think one of the biggest lies in depression, it is usually fed by our emotions, is that we have to believe our thoughts. Because a lot of times today we hear uh, people talk about in our culture that, uh, well, this is my truth, and that is your truth. But we have to lay down our truth before God's truth. And a lot of times uh, depression hinges on our belief system, and we think it's impossible to be healed from it. And I just don't see that in Scripture. You know, we do have to be willing to face it, you know, and admit it. Um, when we have struggles with depression. I had one of my daughters, and I share this in the chapter. She had struggled with depression for over six years at the time. And she asked me, Mom, why would a God, why would a good God allow depression into my life? I think this is one of the hallmarks that we see today. People blame God for every negative mindset, for every difficult thing that happens in their lives. And so I, I was weeping with her. You know, I believe a lot of times we're to weep with people. We're to not just give them a Band-Aid quickly for their, their help. And so that's not what I'm seeking to do in this chapter. I'm seeking to have compassion and help people to understand they don't have to label themselves as being depressed. And so for my daughter, I just felt the Holy Spirit put on my heart that she was going to see deliverance even in the next couple weeks as she saturated her mind in God's Word. And that's exactly what she did. And uh, it was not two, three weeks later, she called me with tears, good tears, and said, Mom, I've been set free. I know the way out of depression now. And, you know, and there's lots of books out there on it, right? The, the problem is we have unbelief in our mindset that we need to repent of, the unbelief that says we can't choose joy. We can't choose to be happy because of the circumstances surrounding us. And so we, we go and we look at a lot of different scriptures and we see how um, people are able to battle through depression in this chapter. My guest, and she's in Virginia, beautiful Virginia, Denise Pass, the name of the book, Make Up Your Mind, Unlock Your Thoughts, Transform Your Life. We need to take a break and when we come back with Denise, uh, we're going to ask her about the fifth topic, the discontented mindset, battling comparison and pride. And please check out my most recent book. It's out. It's a 365-day devotional uh, built around sports. Every day is game day. And every day uh, there's a sports story or anecdote and then the devotional material. So when you go up to order, make up your mind, uh, pick up a copy of Every Day is Game Day. Pat Williams, Mark Atterbury, the authors. We will return with Denise Pass. It's the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We'll be right back. 
More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Denise Pass is in Unionville, Virginia. Her book, Make Up Your Mind. And Denise has advertised. Topic 5, The Discontented Mindset, Battling Comparison and Pride. Yes. So we take a look through the eyes of Jonah in this chapter. And uh, I also look at, just as a mom, seeing two of my sons in particular dealing with discontent and one who didn't like split pea soup and he was offered it repeatedly until he finally loved it. And another one who only ate oatmeal. This sounds like a fairy tale, right? (laughs) But we're able to see through our kids, I think, when we are a parent when there is discontent in our ranks. And it often rises from some of the triggers that I mentioned in the book, our comparison. You know, we, we want to see what other people have, and we, we are owed it. Uh, and we also look inside the research, you know. And ultimately, ingratitude is another huge one that we have, an unbelief. And so these things, as well as idolatry as well, um, these are some of the impetuses, if you will, that lead to a discontented mindset. And we see through the character of Jonah how God had given him a message. And, you know, if we're discontent, we can't be sent, right? Jonah was sent by God, but he tried to run away. And we all know that is like an impossibility. And yet, even though he repented at the bottom of the sea and he was brought back into a right relationship with God, one of the things that stuck out to me with discontent is when God had that plant grow over him, giving him shade. And then when the plant was taken away, Jonah wanted to die. I mean, that's pretty extreme. And I think that is kind of how we get at times. We have things in our lives that God has blessed us with, but we think they are our own. They belong to us. And so are we able to hold things palm up and say, everything I have in this life is given by God for His glory. <clears throat> I am merely a steward. And I think a lot of times we're not willing to. We, we have a mind of, this is mine, like our kids do often. And, and so I, I get to the root of it, and I look at comparison as the thief of joy. That was a statement that President Teddy Roosevelt <coughs> had said. The discontentment steals our joy. Uh, and we look at the mind of Christ. It says in Scripture in Romans fifteen three that even Christ did not please himself. If Christ didn't seek to please himself, should we be seeking to please ourselves? And so it's a humble place that we come to of recognizing we don't own anything, and uh, we can learn to be content in Christ. Denise Pass is our guest. Denise, uh, topic six, the doubtful mindset battling unbelief and hopelessness. Yes. Well, one of my favorite all-time scriptures is at the beginning of this chapter, Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And so the doubtful mindset is often obviously fixed on unbelief and hopelessness. It only sees what we see in front of us 
it isn't willing to place faith in God in the midst of that mindset. And so we we go through this chapter and we look at different triggers that lead to that and the, the, what I call the less feelings that doubting brings, powerless, useless, helpless, meaningless, worthless, hopeless. It's always focused on the negative, but we can take the high road and we can look at Philippians 4, 8 that tells us what to think on. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so I went through those less feelings. You know, whatever is true, we're not powerless. You know, doubts are lies. Whatever is noble, we're not useless in Christ. And so if we're willing to examine all of our feelings of doubt with truth, you know, but we have to be willing to do that. And it's, it's not just positive thinking. It's righteous thinking. It's when we trade in our lies, trade in our doubts, and we comb through Scripture to find what Christ says about it. You see, because willpower isn't enough to pull us out of our, our mindset. It is righteous thinking of turning and renewing our mind that does. Now, Denise... <laughs> Let's get to the seventh topic. It's called the helpless mindset, battling apathy and weakness. Yes, and I love Romans 8, uh, 26, 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we offer. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So this helpless mindset, and I look at the character of Abigail, I refer to her as Abby, and how if I were her in a moment when my husband was basically turning down King David and he was about to be slaughtered, I'd probably want to be given in to feeling very helpless in that moment. But she is a great character to look at. You know, she acted quickly and very wisely. And I think a lot of times we give in to the helpless mindset because we look at our own assets and what we have instead of looking to God. And so we can say, God, don't give me more than I can handle. We've probably heard that phrase from so many people. But one of the scriptures that helped me through the season of being a single mom was out of Second Corinthians 1. 8 through 11, it says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, and these are the key words here, far beyond our ability to endure. So that we despaired of life itself, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again on him. We have set our hope that you will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. And I think the key thing was I felt like I was so far beyond anybody's help. And, it, you know, a lot of times we pray to God and we want him to remove us from those difficult circumstances. But Paul is saying it is far beyond his ability to endure. So why would God allow something in like that? And when I looked at that scripture, I saw, if God is the one who raises the dead, then I'm not helpless. 
I'm not in a position of being too far beyond God's reach. And so in this chapter, one of my favorite sections, I talk about the Holy Spirit as our helper. And scripture after scripture after scripture, uh, there's 16 of them, where we talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us when we feel helpless. My guest, her name is Denise Pass. And Denise, I want to say this. Uh, We have only gotten through uh, the helpless mindset. Uh, We still have the hurried mindset and the lonely mindset and the scarcity mindset, the victim mindset. And I want to hear all about it. So uh, I I need you to stay on with me for another segment. Can we uh, count on that? Can we do that? Yes, it'd be my joy. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Denise Pass is our guest. The book, Make Up Your Mind. Unlock your thoughts, transform your life. And folks, I do want to remind you that we are uh, plugging away, working hard, trying to make Major League Baseball a part of the sports scene here in Orlando. And you can be a big help. Uh, Go up to the website, orlandodreamers.com. That's it, orlandodreamers.com. And just uh, check in and say, great idea. I'd like to be part of this. If this that, that day comes, I don't. I want to be included. Uh, I'd be interested in season tickets. If it all works, uh, we need to hear from you to show the commissioner's office that there's enormous, enormous interest here and that we can be an outstanding uh, Major League Baseball city. Well, Denise Pass is going to stay with us. She is a biblical mindset coach. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a worship leader, songwriter, podcaster. And her book is called Make Up Your Mind. Unlock Your Thoughts, Transform Your Life. We'll be right back here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Denise Pass has written a very interesting book, very helpful book. It's called Make Up Your Mind. And Denise, uh, here we are. Topic number eight, the hurried mindset. Battling over commitment and margin. What's that all about? Well, this is one that I tell you every time I read it, even though the Lord gave me the ability to write it, I am convicted. <laughs> I think it's so easy in our culture. Uh, we're all multitaskers, likely in some way, and we. I know I'm that person who, when you say it starts at ten, I think that means to arrive at ten <laughs> until someone bursts my bubble and says, "If you're on time, you're late." And so it was really a wonderful chapter for me to write. Uh, Proverbs 19.2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. And so rushing isn't always a good thing. In our fast-paced society, I have to admit that this is something that I have struggled with. So I look at uh, Solomon, and he has some really good advice for us. If he's saying that if we hurry in our footsteps, we are erring, that word error to me stands out. 
You know, I don't think any of us wants to think that we're constantly making a mistake, but being hasty can cause us to live pressure-filled lives and lead to poor decisions. And it's ironic because my husband, uh, he and I are opposite in this. You know, you can imagine a Sunday morning, I'm like, okay, come on, hurry up, we got to (laughs) go. I have to confess that I still do that from time to time, though I have learned so much about being more paced in life. Um, And my husband has helped me learn that because I tease in the book that he is Mr. Slow. (laughs) If you're saying it's time to go to church, he's like, huh, some dishes need to be done. So, um, So in this chapter, we look at really what is behind our haste. And we learn about how to overcome it and how to have a work ethic that honors God. But one key thing I learned uh, in this was in studying Martha. You know, she gets a bad rap. You know, she was being diligent. But there's a key word in there that stuck out to me, that famous passage there. that It says Jesus said to her she was distracted with much serving. And the word distracted is from the Greek word perispeo, which means to be driven about mentally, to be overoccupied, too busy, to be cumbered. And that was really eye-opening to me because to be cumbered means to reduce to idleness or inactivity. So, in essence, rushing around can actually make us ineffective. And so learning to find balance is really what this whole chapter is about. We look at the triggers of perfectionism. That is so huge. Uh, Judgmentalism. Um, We look at worrying and impatience and a performance mentality, and we unpack those, and we learn how to have margin and how to detox and prune and pause in our life and work smarter, not harder. So that, in essence, is what that chapter is about. Well, it's time, Denise, to move on to topic number nine. And you call this mm-hmm. the lonely mindset, battling grief yes. and isolation. Yes. You know, there's been uh, many times in my walk with God where my life didn't look like what I thought it would. And I remember feeling so lonely and so, uh, when you are suddenly a divorced woman, and you've got five kids in tow, and you're going to church, and you realize people just don't know how to relate to you. And in the body of Christ, we need to get better at helping people who are struggling with loneliness. It it is a prison. It's in their own mind, and we can tell people, hey, you know, loneliness is something you can feel if you're in a crowded room with people, and we can have the answers, but we can still miss being able to help people. People who are lonely need to feel seen. And, you know, we look at Scripture at that word where God is the God who sees us. And when I, when I look at that story of Hagar, and she was fleeing from Sarah who had mistreated her, but when God saw her, that made all the difference. It was his presence. And the irony is God sent her right back to her situation she was in. And so I think sometimes we want to escape our loneliness by, you know, God just making everything better. But the way God wants to work in our lives is being with us in our different mindset struggles. His presence makes the difference. You know, the lonely are not forgotten. 
God is with them. And I think sometimes we say that, but we don't live into that. And, and I think the thing about grief, too, uh, I love the book of Job, and I talk about that in this chapter as well. You know, uh, in his suffering, Job's friends, they didn't bring him any relief. And when we think about that as Christians, we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And sometimes, like I shared about my daughter earlier, we're going to listen. We're going to let people know they're seen. We're going to hear their grief compassionately. And then we can help to try to bring healing. But it isn't just slapping an answer on someone's back who is suffering with grief or loneliness. And um, when I look at Job, you know, we can stay with him. Job thirteen fifteen. though he slay me, I will hope in him. And I remember at the darkest moments in my life, believing and, and walking in that and saying, okay, God, I didn't sign up. For any of this, but I realized, I thought, hey, I didn't want that story. But that's the story God had me to walk through. Would I accept it as a mission from Him? Because that's what life is all the mindsets, all the struggles we go through, the isolation, the loneliness, the grief, all of it, He allowed into our lives. And so, what are we going to do about that? And so, I, I look at the lesson from the Shunammite woman as well and how. Her child that she prayed for, she was given, died. And how she responded. You know, uh, there's one different translation say that she says when she's asked how she's doing, it is well. And I think about that hymn. Can we say it is well when life is not good in our eyes? Well, we can if we believe in a good God. And if we walk through our loneliness with God, instead of shutting him out. Because that's what loneliness tends to do. We tend to shut others out. And God wants to be our comfort. He wants to be our refuge in that place. Denise Pass is our guest. She's in um, Unionville, Virginia. We're talking about her book, Make Up Your Mind, Unlock Your Thoughts, Transform Your Life. Uh, Topic 10, Denise, The Scarcity Mindset battling covetousness and lust. Uh, Fill us in on this. Yes, this is a hard one. Uh, And I was, there was a lot of revelation I received in writing this because I didn't realize how much I had struggled with it. The scarcity mindset is behind all of us who are dieting constantly, right? We feel like we deserve to eat what all the skinny people can eat and don't seem to gain a pound. But, all of these mindsets we're going to encounter in some way. And for me, I realized, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older here, I'm 52 now and I'm proud of it. <laughs> I'm not going to feel embarrassed of my age. But, you know, I, I had what I thought was my portion. Okay, I should be able to eat these things. But really, as you get older, that's not the portion God has for us. We don't need as many calories. And so... Learning not to feel sorry for myself, for what is my portion? What is my portion in food? What is my portion in the boundaries God has set for me in my life? You know, like the helpless mindset, the chief triggers for the scarcity mindset all center around the word, enough. We don't feel we have enough. How does that happen? 
you know, victory starts by first not being a victim. We have to realize that what we have is enough for us. God is perfect in what he does, and he is good in what he does. And so the scarcity mindset is kind of like the lack of food is a famine. And I can tell you from having, I work with Compassion International as a speaker, and traveling to Guatemala to meet one of my children that we sponsor um, really humbled me. (laughs) You know, it, it changes you when you realize how selfish we can be to want a certain portion all across our life. And, and so for me, what the scripture that I really cherish is in out of Jeremiah, um, well, actually it's Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I won't hope in a portion. I won't hope in an entitlement that I think I deserve. And, and this is hard to lay down, right? And it's, it's humbling to consider. But one thing I, I quote in my chapter, uh, Glennis Whitwer from Proverbs 31, it, she has this quote where she talks about when we think there isn't a to go around, God just makes a bigger pie. He has enough. And it's never lacking. None of us will ever lack with God. The question is, do we trust him with the portion that he's given us? And I use also in this chapter an example, uh, another lesson from Moses, surrounded by people grumbling about what God was providing them with. It wasn't enough. They started to think it was better to be a slave in Egypt. And so this lust, you know, lust is one of those words none of us wants to think that we struggle with, but really the three core sins are the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and boastful pride of life. And so if we're willing to acknowledge it in our lives and see where we have had a scarcity mindset about God's provision, about God's promises, about God's portion for us and his purposes for us, then we can start to be healed and learn contentment. Denise Pass, what a guest, what a book. And Denise, it's time to get to Chapter 11, The Victim Mindset, Battling Insecurity and Rejection. What's that all about? Well, you know, I was just writing an article yesterday as well that stems from this chapter. Um, We're all going to be a victim in this life at some point. Uh, There is no avoiding that. We will suffer harm in this life. But I, I love this scripture, Psalm ten fourteen. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. And the thing about a victim mindset is we can start to identify, I talked about this earlier in a different context, as a victim. This happened to me. You know, I identified for a, a good portion of my life as a, a sexual abuse victim. Um, I can identify with all sorts of victimhood, but in Christ, I'm a victor. But it isn't just the word. It is, again, acknowledging that God saw when I was a victim. I think that's a hard thing for some people. If God saw it, why didn't he do something about it. And that keeps us stuck in the victim mindset because we're seeing things just from our understanding. 
We're not seeing them from God's understanding. We forget that we're in a fallen world. So uh, I've been saying this lately when I travel and speak as well, that we have a 100% chance of facing anxiety in our lives. Think about it. We live in a fallen world. Uh, We live in an evil world where there's a lot of evil people, and we know we're going to (laughs) die. 100% chance. But I love that the scripture I read earlier says God considers us. He cares. And he chose to be a victim. He chose victimhood on our behalf, but he didn't stay a victim. He rose from the dead. But the fact that he chose that to rescue us from our victimhood, to rescue us from our sins, means we don't have to stay in the prison of victimhood anymore. Uh, We can choose a way out. But we're going to have to let go of, sometimes we get used to the attention and we get used to that identity. And so letting go of that prison, and I walk through many steps of what that looks like in the chapter, too much to go through. And I do talk about abuse victims, too, because it is a delicate area there. And, and then we look at lessons from Paul and the kingdom mindset that he had. If there was ever a victim, it was Paul. But he boasted about his problems. And I remember one time um, being in the hospital with pneumonia, and it was after a five-year-long court battle, and I was very much feeling like a victim. Why would God allow me to get severe pneumonia after I finally won a case that my children and I had suffered through? And as I laid there, I said, here I am, God. Send me. And he said, will you let me use you here, Denise? You see, because our victimhood might be a mission from God. And so he, he wanted me to get up and write on the board. My guest is Denise Pass. We have another segment with Denise. We're talking about her book, Make Up Your Mind. Unlock your thoughts, transform your life. I'm Pat Williams. It's the Power Hour here on Saturday. And you're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back with Denise. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Denise Pass has been our guest here for this last hour. And Denise, we have come to the uh, final piece that you write about. The mind of Christ. What does that mean, and how do you explain it, and why is it important? A lot of times we say things, but we don't really necessarily know what we're saying. So I, I identify it as the mind of Christ is God's thoughts, borne out in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I remember asking one of my professors about what the mind of Christ is, and he said it's the goal, not the means. I think sometimes we want some... Uh, kind of spiritual thing to happen to us that we able to say, okay, now I have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ once we accept Christ as our And so we've been indoctrinated by the world system all our days. And it's going to take time to reset our mindset and adopt the mind of Christ. And so one thing I look at in this chapter is Matthew sixteen twenty three, when Peter rebuked Christ, who said he was going to suffer and die and then be raised again. And then Christ rebuked Peter, and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. You are not 
setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And so having the mind of Christ is setting our mind on the things of God. It means I'm not going to think from just my vanity. And so do we have the mind of Christ? Three things we can do. We can recognize the mindset we're operating in. We can repent of the sin involved in the mindset. Yes, mindsets are a sin when they're unbelief and we're not believing God. And we can return to the mind of Christ. Denise, I want you to talk to us more about the Holy Spirit and why it can be so confusing to people. And and yet it shouldn't be, should it? Tell us more. What, what's your advice? Sure. Well, I, I think about Isaiah 26, 3. And it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we often still try to walk through this Christian life in the flesh. And so walking in the Spirit is is akin to saying, okay, my natural is to, like, let's say we have a problem in this life. Maybe it's a parenting problem. And I used to do this a lot. I would try to figure it out on my own. Okay, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. But abiding in the Holy Spirit is where I go and I pray. And I say, God, please help me with this circumstance I'm facing. Holy Spirit, please please fill me. Give me understanding. And before I pray and read Scripture, I want to ask for that understanding. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. But there's another key scripture that talks about letting the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, and that's Ephesians, Ephesians 4.23. So this is a choice we make. We have to let the Holy Spirit have that influence and that power in our lives. And that, chooses, that means we choose dying to self. Hey, you know, we can renew our minds and God's Word, but sometimes people don't know how to do that. We have the mind of Christ, as we've been talking about, 1 Corinthians two sixteen. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Are we going to let the Holy Spirit influence our minds, or are we going to let the world influence our minds? It is really about our mindset. Are we setting our mind on the things of God or the things of man? Denise, tell us um, how to have a disciplined, effective prayer life. Okay. Yes, yeah, so one way to do it, some people have, there's, there's all sorts of things out there. There's a prayer app that people can use. You can write it in a journal. But I really like Paul's approach. He talks about praying continually. Uh, I do think it's good to be disciplined and have, like I have a prayer group I go to on Wednesday nights before my worship practice where we pray as a church, we pray as women, and I put in a app that I have, the prayer requests that I receive, because I'm apt to forget them. <laughs> and so I need reminders. And so that's one thing that helps me. But for me, every day when I start my day and I, I have a Bible tribe, Bible reading plan that I do and I created for other people to do, and it's free, um, but I focus on um, a scripture, a key verse, and then I will pray and ask God for understanding. And then I'll pray and ask God to put on my heart what to pray for. You know, Scripture says that He helps us when we don't know how to pray. And so I think our prayer time can become rote if it's just a list that we read through. And I feel like sometimes I can hear that. Even 
went on family vacation last week, and we, we say our, our prayers before we eat, correct? But a lot of times it can feel like a to-do list. Thank you, God, for this food. Thank you for this. Thank you, God. And we move on. And I guess one thing I really have tried to encourage is that I will be passionate in my prayers, that I will be sincere, that I will not let myself just go through a list. I want to be intentional. And so um, I just think praying continually. And if you have a prayer group that you can meet with to encourage you to pray for others, I think that's a great way to do it, too. And uh, the Bible can be intimidating to people, uh, Denise. Uh, do you yeah. have a do you have a plan in the scriptures that's effective for you that would help others? Yes, sir, I do. Um, so it's called the Bible Tribe, and it's a free download. If they go on denisepass dot com under resources, they'll see it there. And um, it's a seven fold Bible reading plan. We're in a different place in Scripture every day, and I love that because I don't know if it's maybe ADHD or AAA, you know, age affected. <laughs> But I like to be in a different place every day in Scripture. And um, what I do is I do a free podcast and or a broadcast. If you'd rather watch me, you can. But um, we have like close to 4,000 downloads a month on it now, which is exciting. But what I do is I have one key verse that we focus in on. I have a Bible reading, you know, that we're supposed to do each day. And, you know, take as much time as you need to do it. You can do it in a year. Um and I have one Greek or Hebrew word that we focus on. So I try to take that word and apply it to today's context. And so my hope is it's just a two- to three-minute devotion that it will help people to get deep into God's Word uh, in just a few minutes. Denise, why do you think sharing our faith is so scary and intimidating to Christians? Well, I think we fear man more than we fear God. And, you know, we're not going to be popular, but if we look at, you know, everybody in Scripture who was used by God, I mean, Jeremiah thrown down into a cistern, you know, Jesus crucified, all the disciples, what they went through, I think that we have a wrong view of what salvation is. You know, think about the sales pitch that Jesus used. Uh, Come and follow me (laughs) and suffer, basically. I don't think that's very attractive to our culture today. And people want to believe we're very prideful. We want to believe that we have the way, but that's making our own religion up. And so I believe right now the harvest is ripe, and believers have got to step up and fear God more than man. Um, That's really the key problem that we have. And, And so one thing I'm trying to do through the different podcasts that I have is to equip people. I think that's another big thing. People feel afraid because they don't know enough. Hey, it's okay to admit you don't know it. Uh, People have called me a Bible scholar, and I'm like, don't call me that. (laughs) Because I still have so much to know and learn. I think it was, uh, what's the phrase? I I know now how much I don't know. (laughs) I've been humbled to dust in some of the classes I've been taking. But I love it. I love to learn. And so just admit it if you don't know something and say, hey, I will look that up. Thank you for bringing that up. Don't let that stop you from sharing the gospel. And, and I think, too, it becomes, um, it becomes rote to us. It's this Jesus came, we're celebrating Easter, and we don't really understand that. A lot of people are in the church, and they're not in the Word of God, and they don't know or understand the sacrifices in the Old Testament uh, that had to be done for sins, and that Christ 
was a living sacrifice, Romans 8, 3, that he was an offering on our behalf. And so we are to proclaim that. That's our whole purpose in this life. That's our mission. And if we miss that and we're just living for American, you know, comfort, uh, I think it's not going to be a pleasant day on Judgment Day. Denise Pass has been our guest. What a wonderful hour. Her book, Make Up Your Mind, Unlock Your Thoughts, Transform Your Life. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Denise Pass uh, spent the whole hour with us, and I'm so glad she did. Well, what a what a background. Uh, currently pursuing a Ph.D. in Biblical Exposition at Liberty University up in Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, this new book of hers is well worth getting. Make up your mind. Unlock your thoughts. Transform your life. And while you're ordering that book on Amazon, uh, my latest book is out. It's called Every Day is Game Day. It's a 365-day devotional. Every devotion has a sports theme, sports story to start it off before we move into the devotional uh, part for each day. Uh, I think you'll enjoy the book. Every Day is Game Day. Well, folks, have a wonderful week ahead. We'll see you next weekend right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay tuned to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. See you next weekend. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word.